The next morning, let's say, I called the English department. Hi, I said. I'm trying to find out how I can meet with my professor, Professor Hugo. The secretary paused. I don't have any office hours listed for him, but I do have another number, another office number. I wrote it down. Thanks, I said. Until the following day, I let the paper with the number on it curl inside the pocket of my jeans. Finally, I went to the payphone in the hall of my dorm, and I called. On the third ring, a man picked up. Milltown, he said. There was noise, people talking and laughing in the background. May I please speak with Professor Hugo? Hugo, the man half shouted. Hang on. Then his voice fell away from the phone. Hey, Hugo, he said, for you. A fumbling and more voices. Hello, this is Hugo. Um, I'm Francie McHugh, I would have said, one of your students. I paused. I can't read what you wrote on my poem. It sounded sort of dumb and pitiful as I said it. What was I pulling my professor away from? This poem wasn't very important, I suddenly realized. He'd seen thousands. I was going to come to your office, and then um, the English department gave me this other number. He laughed, a staggering series of exhales. I'm in my office right now. <laughs> Bring your poem over. After the man, the one who had answered the phone, gave me some directions, I borrowed a car from a girl I knew and drove out of the university over to Interstate 90. It was only two exits to Milltown, a wreck of pipes and silos cornered between the highway and the Blackfoot River. The mills flickered between rust and silver, and the whole area looked like a tangle of spigots. Behind one of the plants over part of the road that rose into a quick and steep little hill where the train tracks ran through, there was a building, Milltown, it said across the roof line. Since this was 1981, the tavern still had a laundromat attached to it. A few years later, it was torn out. After I walked into the doorway, I saw Hugo right away. He was leaning over the bar, and he was smoking a cigarette. There was a pint in front of him. The bartender, a gray-haired guy who mopped the wood with a towel, nodded to me. By the time I sat down at the bar next to Hugo, he was already talking to me. Improvements, Hugo mumbled, always ripping out part of it. They'll take the guts right out of this place if they keep changing it. Looks like they're putting in booths, I said. Farther into the room, there was a swath of plastic wrap and some tools next to a few low wooden frames. Yeah, well, as long as I don't mess with the bar. Hugo leaned over it like a man on the edge of a good trout stream. Professor Hugo, I ventured as I sat on the stool next to his. Could you look at my poem and tell me what you wrote? Oh, Christ, you have come to my office, haven't you? <laughs> he snarled and huffed out a laugh at the same time. Want a beer, kid? Yeah, I'd love one. I was jumping up and down inside. Being at a bar felt good. I felt like I could make myself belong there. Down the shaft from us, there were three other guys, plaid flannels and jeans, and over there, the pool table was an elderly couple. Everybody was hunkered over drinks and talking. This was a place where a person could be whoever she wanted. Harold, said Hugo, get this girl a draft. Thanks, I said. It felt good to have someone order a beer for me. I couldn't remember anyone doing that before. I watched the bartender roll a pint glass under the tap. So, which one was yours? Hugo asked. Which beer? I was looking at the foam that the bartender was tipping into the trough. No, no, which poem, for God's sake? 
His eyebrows twitched and he slammed a palm on the bar. Oh yeah, the poem. It was called Tragic Release, I said. <laughs> I'll bet, Hugo laughed. <laughs> what was it about? With a title like that, I'm not going to have a clue. <laughs> I unfolded the poem from the pocket in my jacket and I put it on the bar. Hugo tugged his glasses from his shirt pocket. He pushed his beer to the side and pulled the poem toward him. For a few minutes, he didn't speak. The bartender nudged my own glass of beer over to me. Well, he said, you have a barn here. Yes, I said. I just couldn't read what you... Listen, kiddo, here's the deal. You have some good lines in here, but you need to get honest. There's something sad about this barn falling down and something wonderful and beautiful, right? I wasn't sure, but I said yes. <laughs> well, don't kill it by telling us how the barn is a metaphor for good things that come apart. Okay, I said. I wasn't quite getting it. I felt like we were doing math or something. <laughs> Hugo had taken a pen from somewhere and was poking at the paper with it. His fingers, short and square, slid across the poem while he rammed the pen into it. So take out these lines where you compare the old barn to the whole heritage of America. <laughs> You'll sound like some kind of bad ad for an encyclopedia or something. The pen made little knots as he circled groups of words on the paper. So take that out and try to venture something personal here. Pull yourself closer to the subject. I took a few gulps from the beer glass. I had liked those lines about the falling down barn being like history. I hoped Hugo would say more, more about how it might be a good poem. What did you say here? I pointed to the comments he had written on the page. Hugo didn't unclench the pen that he was using to stare himself across the page. And the other thing is that you want to make that barn somewhere you care about. It's floating around here. I can't tell where the hell we are. For the rest of the time it took me to drink my beer, we huddled over that poem. Harold, the bartender, slid Hugo a beer whenever his glass was empty. Should I write about what it would be like if it was my barn? I asked. Sort of, Hugo said. <laughs> should I change the barn until the poem sounds better? I mean, are you saying that I should say it has different stuff than it really did? Exactly, Hugo said. <laughs> he nodded and looked satisfied. The girl is going to get a better poem, Harold. He was talking to the bartender. Now why are you ripping out the back of that room? He pointed to the rubble where the new seating would go. On the way out, after I'd settled into the car and was driving back across the tracks to the highway, I thought about Hugo and the poem. He had never told me what he'd written on it. What had he thought? My poem wasn't ready yet. It wasn't the best thing he'd seen, and it wasn't the worst. He didn't say, start over. I saw him say that to a bespectacled boy in our poetry workshop. Along the highway, the lights of Milltown flickered behind me, and I took the bend in the interstate, the one that tipped you around Mount Jumbo and into Missoula. I would go back to my room. There I would decide that I would keep writing poems. Thank you.